turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Buckle up and settle in for a full hour of automotive mayhem with the real car guy, master technician, Mark Salem, where the only two things we can't fix is a broken heart and the crack of dawn. To talk to Mark, call 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Now, once again, here's Mark. Well, welcome back, everybody. Four minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. My name is Mark Salem. And sitting here next to me is the rest of the automotive group. To my right is Andy. You're, you're supposed to use your husky voice at this point. <laughs> yeah, you're it's always to go, husky. Oh. <laughs> I know. So, Good morning, everyone. And then my wife Renee sitting here. You're supposed to say hello. Oh, oh good morning. Okay. I was watching you okay. buttons and getting nervous about what the heck. We've got him pushing buttons yeah. and we we're like supposed that. to take our cues and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, we, we have to watch him like a hawk. Don't listen. We? Ooh, let's gang up today. Yeah. Can we? Yeah. That, that's right. Go ahead. Under the hood with Mar- yeah. Renee. Uh, okay, goodbye. They just... <laughs> um yeah, folks. To, to, in my defense, we close the show at at five or at fifty nine minutes after the hour. I have to close the taping of that show. I have to name it and save it, which takes a lot of time. <laughs> then I have to get ready for the next hour with these two, um, and they're downstairs at the Coke machine or the coffee machine, yakking about junk in the trunk or whatever. And and <laughs> I hardly have enough room to go to the bathroom. Oh, boy. So, wah, wah, wah. Yeah, sounds like a personal problem <laughs> yeah. to me. Yeah, well, that could be fine with you guys. All righty. So, from the car point of view, um, if you have a car question, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. Folks, you, you have to understand, please understand, that I am the focus point for everybody who has a problem that nobody can fix. And, and, and there are times that we're our infrastructure is taxed to the max with something that comes in that's broken. And, and I'll give you a good example. A gentleman goes to a repair shop because his transmission is acting up in a really bad and obvious way. And it's acting up 100% of the time. So it's not something that just happens in the morning. The guys go out, open up the hood of the truck. They kind of put, the, put it in gear and they do a couple things and they pronounce it's bad and it's an $8,000 transmission. Mm-hmm. So as I explain to people, it's always a good idea to get a second opinion, including our shop. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. If you don't like it, if you want, then take our, and, and you insist that the shop write down exactly what it is that they found. This is what we found. This is the symptom we verified. Here's the parts. Here's the labor. Here's the, write your check before you, you know, leave your truck or your car. Right. Well, not write your check before you leave your yeah. yeah well, I'm yeah. trying to I'm trying to, to paint the picture of is, is this is the end dollar amount yes, as close yes. as we can get uh-huh. right. Well, because people, for example, Alan had somebody ask him the other day how much is a motor for this particular car, and he gave him an estimate between sixty five and seven, and 
then the guy said, well, I found somebody who will do it for 38 So he goes there, you know, $3,800. But by the time he gets done, it's $6,800 and the car doesn't work. And now, and now he, and, and, and more than likely he may not have told us the truth. It may have been the next door neighbor said he yeah. do it for $3,500. Right. So exactly. now the, the neighbor is well over his head. He can't fix it. Right. Um, and then now he's hunting for somebody to help him fix this big problem. Yeah. There's lots of us that's calling waving the flag or the cape in front of the bull. Yeah. You know what but, I mean? It's, but they call around and they are, you know, even to shops and they assume that they're going to give them, you know, out the door price with parts, labor, tax, and half the time not any of that's in there. They're, yeah, so. they're just, they're not comparing apples to apples, and there's just so much to some of the jobs. I mean, it's not easy to call around and get a good, honest quote from anyone on an engine job. I mean, right. you th- there's so, yeah, there's so many different variables, and so, you know, with nobody without looking at it can really give you 100% this is what you're going to pay out the door. Mm-hmm. You remember where Maury loaned his, I think it was his Land Rover? Porsche. Um, well, it, uh, it had a Porsche motor in it, but mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what model it was. But he loaned it, or he had his young son yeah. take it on the prom or something, and he smoked the motor. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, that was an $18,000 yeah. job. And we bid it at 18000 and we came in at 18000 but it had 100,000 miles on it, and we already had the hoses and the belts and the fluids and the coolant and the oil and the filters, the motor mounts. We already had all that stuff in it. it there's lots of shops just like us. They have the skills and the capability. Um, you guys know about the Ford truck that we've had here for 100 years that had a hole in the piston. Mm-hmm. And so we we found a shop down in Sierra Vista that would literally replace the piston, which nobody else does, and they've done it lots of times. Mm-hmm. But they took it and towed it out because they said that they found somebody put a used engine in it for $2,500. Well, it takes $1,100 worth of labor to pull the cab to get to the engine on this Ford truck. It's a diesel. Mm-hmm. So I'm unclear as to how we're going to fit a used engine, the labor to install the engine, Take it out and install it, and then remove the cab and put it back on. I'm I'm not even close to that. Yeah. So, but you got to remember too that six zero two five zero eight zero nine sixty. We're going to get to Dan Dean in just a second. You got to remember too that the guy that got the, he went to that shop, and literally they did nothing but quoted it for eight thousand dollars. Yeah, right. lifted the hood and I think pulled a code. Yeah. Yeah. That and just I, said shut the hood and said it's a transmission. So. Mm-hmm. So. He said, do you want to look at it? And we said, we're happy to provide you an alternative um, symptom analysis. And I think we did charge him um, a a diagnostic charge. And we went in, (laughs) and they never even pulled a dipstick on this transmission, which is kind of unusual. We found it three quarts low on oil. Mm -hmm. And so we put three quarts in it. And then it also had this device, which is you unplug a wire harness from a sensor, and you plug in in this device in the middle. So now it's it's kind of a what would you call it? It's a, I mean, it just escapes my my brain right now. But it like I said, it's just unplug and then you plug this device in and you plug it in where that wire was. Okay. It changes the pressure on the transmission. So we took that out because we didn't know if that was part of the problem. We put three quarts in and the transmission absolutely worked perfect. And I think his bill was about one fifty one sixty by the time we got done with the fluid and all that. I think it's thing. a known problem with that particular vehicle it as is. well. And we, we called Lorenzo, which is mm-hmm. our transmission guy, mm-hmm. and we talked to him about it because this is what we found 
did we miss anything? And then him and Alan worked on a couple things. Then he looked at this fuel or this uh, fuel, fl- line pressure regulator and said, let's take that out and see what happens then. But we, the fluid fixed almost half of it. Hmm. So it was an unusual situation mm-hmm. when you do that. Dean, good morning, and thank you very much for holding. How can I help you? Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a 2013 Kia Soul with a 2.0 liter engine and original owner. This vehicle from day one exhibited random rough idle, um, and it would pop back, backfire through the intake. And a couple of times it would do that uh, at a steady state of speed with slight tipping on the throttle, and sometimes it would do it from a dead stop that would backfire through the intake. Uh, the random rough idle is one that I, I can't I can't figure out what might be the catalyst. I was thinking it might be. Uh, sometimes I thought it was maybe the way it was sitting on the driveway, driveway on the incline of the driveway. Sometimes I thought it was a little fuel. Sometimes uh, it, it wouldn't do it then. Sometimes I thought it was ambient temperature related. Yeah, it, there's just no rhyme or reason for it. And it's been back to the dealer four times with a flight data recorder. Uh, the last time, uh, and uh, they can't figure out what's wrong. One of the one of the ridiculous things that they tried to do is this is coming from the zone level. They they thought it was a motor mount function, and they they retorqued all the motor mounts, and and they did ridiculous things like that, which was a total waste of time. But uh, that's kind of the essence of what I have. Well, how uh, many miles do you have on it? Right now, there's forty six thousand. And it's a two thousand thirteen. You said Kia Soul. That's correct. Uh huh. Wow. Well, the the backfire bothers me, okay? The backfire is we have an explosion taking place in one of the cylinders that's out of time. It's gone. It's Something's wrong there. So the spark plug, the end of it is glowing bright red, which it should not do. So when the fuel is injected into the cylinder, we the spark plug, even though there's no spark, at the end of it's red hot, and it blows up the... Ex- now, Wouldn't the in- you have a check engine lighter? Well, you'd think... Yeah, that's, that's, that's the interesting thing, that there's never any kind of check engine light. Um, and, uh, you know, they, when they did the diagnostic, no code showed up. With something as significant as a backfire and, uh, you know, the rough idle condition, they showed nothing, which, makes me, which leads me to believe that perhaps the parameters that they have in the computer are such where they're not picking up some of no. those things. And I don't no, no. No, no, you can't draw any conclusion from that. I, okay. and, and if you do, you're wrong. So you can't okay. do that because until we find it, then we can determine why the computer didn't pick it up. That's all that mm-hmm. happens. You're asking a question or you're assuming that you're, and, and I, I'm not going to pile on the dealer, but this is an unusual situation. But I, mm-hmm. I'm thinking if we had a backfire, we would have had a code. That would have been an engine misfire code. That would have been a cylinder contribution code. The cylinder contribution code is is after each cylinder fires, there is a, a jump in the RPM. So if we don't see that jump, or we see the power in a curve kind of deal, up here it's one, two, three, four is way up high in the curve, and then all of a sudden we drop down, boom, and then we come back up because the next cylinder hits. So that cylinder contribution, right. all that stuff. I'm concerned about the backfire because if you you have 46,000 miles on it and a backfire is typically caused by a bad valve. So the intake valve is leaking, so we're backfiring through the intake. That's what he says. So backfiring through the intake after 46,000 miles. Now keep in mind, 46,000 miles twice around the girth of the earth and he hasn't burned a valve. 
there's no way in God's green earth that this thing is going to have a bad intake valve and go 46,000 miles. There's just no way. But he said it started from the beginning. I mean, I understand this. But his, yeah. I'm working off of to, his diagnosis when it comes to backfiring. Right. That's what he's saying. Right. I'm suggesting it ain't a backfire. I'm okay. suggesting somebody has to hear that. I'm suggesting, I mean, people come in all the time with valves ticking and it's an exhaust leak. We see that all the time. Is it, um, it it's consistent? I mean, it does it daily? It, it does it all the time? Or is it, it an intermittent issue? Let me, let me just update a little bit, if I may. Um, the, the backfiring has ceased to occur. But the random rough idle is still there, and it still drives me crazy. Um, it, it's, uh, it's okay. Okay. I don't right. know what to make of it. All right. Well, let me tell you about a random. Um, uh, we had an intermittent uh, Honda idle the other day, and you know what the answer to that was? Nothing. Can't wait. <laughs> no. F- Nothing. Honda says we know it's there. We know it's there, and we did make software changes to the model before this 2015 for exactly the same symptoms, but we've not created a software patch for the two fifth for the 2015. Do you know what the fix was? Hmm. I'm talking to my daughter and my wife. You know what the fix was? I swear to God, this is the truth. What? Run your headlights 24-7 or all the time that the car's running. Mm-hmm. When you run the headlights, it creates a voltage change, and the voltage change fixes the, the stupid random misfire or random rough idle. Believe it or not. It- and Interesting that you say that because applying the brakes at, at a dead stop to obviously put a draw, electrical draw, it, it does make a difference. It, it makes the RPM go one way or the other. Okay. The brake pedal. Okay. The brake pedal, the amp draw in the brake pedal is one noodle. The amp draw in the headlights is 20. So right. I, I, while I understand that you're saying that there's an electrical thing, I just want you to drive with your headlights on, okay? I just want, but you can't yeah. leave them on. You, you, you can put them in automatic if you want, but I need you to turn on your headlights manually and drive it and see what happens. Now, we haven't right. figured out this ourselves, but we did figure out about the headlights. If we create a draw, it, actually, she would, Eddie went out and drove it, and when he had her, he, he turned the air conditioning on, and the problem went away. So then we're going, wow an electrical change. So you're normally idling along at 12.8, 12.8, 13.2 voltage. But when you turn the air on and get a lot, and when you turn the headlights on asking for a lot, then that thing goes up to 13.8, 13.9, and 14 volts because the alternator's fired up about that. Brake lights are a different story. I, I don't know. I can't fix your car. But if you can duplicate this, I don't know why you wouldn't file for a Lemon Law car if they've got a problem, I, and it has to be a safety-related issue, and I'm not quite sure a random um, rough idle would ac- accomplish that. You know, uh, Mark, I did try to do that after the flight data recorder attempt by the dealership to figure out what was going on with this thing, and uh, it, it failed. Um, in fact, when the zone people went for a ride with me, and, I, and, and the car did its thing where it exhibited the rough idle. Um, they popped the hood and started checking the spark plug integrity or the spark plug wire integrity to the plug to make sure that everything, that, that there was nothing funny going on. So they knew there was a problem, but they, they denied that. And that, I, I'm kind of butthurt about that, and, and, and I think I had a good case, just kind of what you're kind of suggesting. 
and as okay. far as the course of All action. Right. Okay, okay, stop, 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 stop. We, we, we understand that, but what you don't understand is, is I've dealt with Lemon Law cases for 20 years, and I, remember I said safety? Remember I said that word safety? That's a big deal. It, it's how you present it. And, and when they open up the, the hood to look at spark plug wires, um, unless you have a spray bottle with water in your hand, you might as well just be peeing your pants. It doesn't really make much sense. We need to generate the spark in order to do that. And if it was a spark plug problem, we would have a cylinder misfire code. So I don't think, and, and of course we've gone from uh, a backfire to an intermittent rough idle at 46,000 miles. This could be a throttle plate cleanup. This could be an EGR problem. There's lots of things that this could be that are simple as let's disable the EGR and let's drive it for a while with no EGR. And we know we're going to get a code on the EGR, but we don't care. But if disconnecting the EGR and plugging the vacuum line with a golf tee or a pencil, then it goes away. Then all of a sudden we're halfway home. So that's kind of what it's all about. 602-508-0960. We'll be back right after this. The following is a paid political announcement. Are you ready to make America great again? That was Phil Lovis at the Trump rally in Prescott weeks before the election. While the liberal media said Trump didn't stand a chance, Phil Lovis was the first Arizona legislator to endorse Donald Trump and become the statewide chairman for the presidential campaign. Phil Lovis was a conservative leader in the state legislature, pro-life, supports tax cuts, and defending the Second Amendment. I'm Phil Lovis. I'm running for Congress to support the president's agenda and drain the swamp. That means term limits and ending pensions for members of Congress, like I did for Arizona legislators. I'll protect American jobs and fund a strong military. And even though it angers the liberal media, we need to build a wall and protect our southern border. And know this, I'll stand up for the West Valley and support our president. Bill Lovis, with Trump early, with President Trump now. Paid for by Lovis for Congress. I'm Phil Lovis, and I approve this message. It's no safe spaces. Free speech is free on campuses unless you're hearing ideas you don't like. Now, the hypocrisy is an interesting thing. The notion that there's a march on this and a a rally on that, and then somebody shows up to give a discussion about something you disagree with, and you demand that that person is shut down and unable to speak is the definition of hypocrisy. Right, so they have an answer. Of course I'm for free speech. I'm against hate speech. They don't understand that's the point of free speech. So they don't get it. They just don't get it because they've never been taught it. It's No Safe Spaces, coming to Grand Canyon University Arena, February 27th, with Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla. Be a part of history as the event is filmed for their No Safe Spaces movie. Tickets at 960thepatriot.com. That's 960thepatriot.com. And uh, hang on just a minute. Stop pointing at my paperwork, you guys. I got buttons to push, the speakers to kill, the microphones to start up. You're kind of crabby this morning. I am, (laughs) but I've got so many people telling me what to do. Um, and, And really and truly, in my defense, we need to stick to the symptoms, okay? We need to stick to the symptoms. The flight recorder stuff and all that stuff doesn't help me. It doesn't help me. Um, I don't know what the flight recorder said. Neither do you. And when we go through that transition of we're talking symptoms and then I'm going to ask questions because this is a give and take kind of show. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, you tell us what you got and then I ask questions. 
but that's we need to be able to and 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 the best question answer that we rarely get is I don't know. Okay. And that's a good one. I I like to hear I don't know every once in a while just so I know. Just so I know. Okay. I was going to say, just, uh, yeah, we need to go okay. to that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Again, somebody tell me. Strictly Diesel. Strictly Diesel. And I saw Nate this weekend at a, at, a, uh, at a thing. Nate is a great guy. He works on diesels. He works on all kinds of diesels, domestic and light, foreign and domestic, as well as light diesel. He doesn't do the big trucks. He's at I-17 and Pinnacle Peak Road. Strictly Diesel Service and Repair. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. And they also sell parts and stuff like that on the internet at their website. So you can actually go into their website and look for symptoms and stuff like that, as well as parts if you think that you want to hot rod your diesel or you want to customize your diesel, then Strictly Diesel is a great place to go. I-17 and Pinnacle Peak, and let's zip on over to Stephanie. Stephanie, good morning to you. How can I help you? Good morning. Well, I'm just a weird sort of a frustrated old lady, and my husband and I are not... I just wanted to know if you can give me an answer that's logical to me. I have a 1998 Toyota Avalon. Um, it has currently 242,000 miles, which is superfluous information, as you said. At 187,723 miles, I had to replace the alternator. Okay. 50,000 miles later or 40-some-odd thousand miles later, they're telling me my alternator, 54,000 miles later, they're telling me my alternator has gone out. The battery light came on on the, on the uh, uh, dashboard. I didn't check in my manual. I probably should have. The battery is a year and a half old. Took it over to Sears. Sears tested the battery, said it was okay. They said the alternator is not charging. And I'm thinking, how can one alternator last 187,723 miles and the next one only lasts 54,540 miles. Is there possibly something else we need to be looking for? Well, I, I don't, with all due respect, I don't think that's the question at all. Okay. Um, because, first of all, we have to get to the point where we fix a problem with a new alternator, and then we can ask that question. Let me ask you some questions. How many times have you had to jump start your car? Ever in all twenty years? No, ma'am. Just many. just since no. this alternator situation's come up. No, since the battery light came on, yes. we have not had to jump start it. Okay. Did Sears is the one that checked the alternator? Yeah, they checked the battery. It was a Sears battery. So okay. since the battery light came on, I took it and they checked the battery. Said it was okay. No, but the I know alternator that. Alternator was uh, not charging. My, my question was: Is did did Sears do the alternator test as well? Yes. Okay. So they said the battery's okay and they uh, the alternator's bad. They Did they the give you any parameters? Right. Did they give you no. any specific parameters? No, okay. my husband did it, so I don't know. Okay, your husband took it to Sears. Is that what I hear yeah. you? Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I fifty thousand miles is two times around the Earth, and that's really a long period of time. Um, in the old days, alternators when they first came out, um, they didn't last ten thousand miles, twenty thousand miles at all. The alternator that you had installed, its life depends on where it came from. If it came from a rebuilder, there's rebuilders out there, and the alternator has about 10 parts in it that cause wear. So if he goes in and he looks at the old alternator and it only needed a front bearing, then he would put a front bearing in it, put, his, put it in his box, and send it out the door. He's saying to himself, the diode trio, the regulator, the rear alternator, the brushes, the rear alternator bearing the brushes, those are all okay. 
and he's hoping that alternator will go through the warranty process. But there's uh, other rebuilders that will do both front and rear bearings. They do the alternator trio, and they do the regulator, and they do the brushes. They do everything. So as you go through that, there's a big difference in price. So I don't know what the price was on the first one, and I don't know what the spread was on the alternator. I can tell you that the alternator can be spread out from $60 to $150 on a rebuilt alternator, the same part number. So I can buy them for $60, but I don't. And I can buy them for $100 and sell them for $125, and I prefer to do that. So I think we need a second opinion. The battery light just indicates there's a battery issue. But what bothers me the most is, is someone's condemned your alternator and you're still driving the car and you haven't had to jump start it and that doesn't make much sense to me. Well, so I if, haven't I haven't driven it much but let me let me just give you some information that may help you or not. I don't okay. want to add to your burden of being driving you crazy. In no. August of 2012, I paid $380.99 for an alternator, which in my mind would and, and knowing me, I don't like rebuilt parts, so I probably had him buy a new Toyota part would be my guess. He also replaced the PS belt, the power, the power steering belt, and the alternator belt. And that was the one that got 54000 And I heard you say what you said about the life of them, but I'm still scratching my head as to how the first one got 187,000 miles on it before I needed a new one. So you're saying, I hear you saying, to go get a second opinion and... Well, no, you hear me saying is, is I don't understand why you haven't jump-started your car. Um, I don't understand why everybody's jumping to the conclusion that you have a bad alternator just because you have a, a battery light on. And, and, and I, don't, um, I want you to know that there's no such thing as a Toyota alternator. Um, every, the cheapest bidder bid, bid the alternator, and um, okay. Toyota doesn't make parts for your Toyota. They assemble your car from parts from all over the world. Okay. And actually, your alternator is either made by Hitachi or Denso, and I can buy both of those alternators. That's right. The $300 indicates that it is a on the high end of the of the alternator spectrum, but I think you need a second opinion. What part of town do you live in? Sixty uh, Second Street in Thunderbird. Then I would go see Tom over at Thunderbird Auto at 88th and Thunderbird, and I would tell Tom that I have a battery light on, and that's all I would tell him. If he asks you further, I would suggest that you say to him that you haven't had to jump start your car since the battery light came on. Toyotas do have a habit, and I'm going to have to finish my sentence because i got to take a break. But on the other side of this break, I'll finish my sentence. Thank you for holding. We'll be back. Sherry with Professional Escrow Resources is with me again. Sherry, what do you do? Well, for people that own real estate and want to do something post-closing with their property, such as transfer it to their trust, add a beneficiary in the event of their death, add a spouse do a a lot split or combine parcels, anything that is done post-closing, we can help you with. All right. I'm reading here that you also prepare documents to secure loans, such as promissory notes and agreements for sale. You also prepare and record the document that will secure the lien, such as a mortgage, deed of trust. And you also prepare modifications or assignments to these documents and, if desired, assist in setting up the collection services with an account servicing company of their choice. Yes. Great. Why professional escrow resources? We're going to help make it easy for you. Call 602-DOC-EASY. That's 602-362-3279 or online at docprepper.com. Call 602-DOC-EASY today. On the next episode of Recipes for Disaster. So we've got our neighbor Paul coming over tonight for a barbecue. 
which is why I prepared a delicious lemon rosemary steak marinade from my special collection of old family recipes. To make sure the steaks are extra, extra, extra tender, I left them marinating out on the counter overnight, just like Nana used to. Maria may mean well, but without food safety, it never ends well. Always thaw or marinate foods in the refrigerator at 40 degrees Fahrenheit or below. Or you could make your friends and family really sick. Maria's neighbor Paul didn't think twice about the steak he ate until he was presenting his company's financial forecast to the board. That's when a sudden bout of food poisoning made it explicitly clear that profits weren't the only thing on the rise. Watch Recipes for Disaster at foodsafety.gov. You'll learn the right steps as Maria does everything wrong. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ag Council. This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. The death of evangelist Billy Graham seems almost unreal. In our memories, we can still hear his voice, see his smile, and trace his influence. He died on Wednesday, age 99. From his first crusade to his dying breath, he made clear he still believed and always believed what he preached. Billy Graham was a titanic figure on the world stage. He preached in person to more people than any other preacher in the history of Christianity. It all began with the crusade in Los Angeles, California, nearly 70 years ago that changed history and led to the establishment of a global ministry of evangelism. I had the honor of knowing Dr. Graham, and he was gracious to speak at my inauguration as president of Southern Seminary and to give his name to our evangelism school. He was even greater in person than on the television screen or before a crowd. He has now gone home to his heavenly reward to be with the God he loved so much, preached so faithfully, and served so well. I'm Albert Moeller. Hey, there he is. How's it going? I'm having a stroke. Are you going to shake my hand or what? I'm having a stroke. Wow, you're not even moving your arm. I'm having a stroke. Are you okay? I'm having a stroke. Your face looks weird, too. I'm having a stroke. Are you having a seizure or something? I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. I'm having a stroke. You just need to know the sudden signs. Look for FAST, F-A-S-T, F, face drooping, A, arm weakness, or S, speech difficulty, then T, time. Time to call 911 immediately because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. Know the sudden signs. Face, arm, speech, time. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. All about that demon automobile. Everybody, 602-508-0960. If you have a question, that's the number. There's four lines open. I'm going to go back to Stephanie real quick. And um, Stephanie, the, let me kind of just recap. I'm bothered that you haven't had a dead battery. I also know that Toyotas, and I don't know that this applies to your and I, yours, I kind of doubt it, but I can't tell you how many dash lights we used to fix on Toyotas by replacing the choke relay. So I don't really know how the choke relay has anything to do with your alternator, but the fan belt can be slipping. Um, we can have a bad battery connection. Um, you could truly have a bad alternator. But again, we're asking questions that are best answered after the car's fixed. So once we get the battery light off, once we uh, determine what's wrong with it, then those questions that you're asking, why did it only last 54,000 miles, those are going to be answered. 
part of the diagnostic process is is going and find out what's wrong. So if we go in and find out that the regulator's running wild or the diode trio is blown up, then that's the answer. The answer is is this electronic part failed. But f- you know, if you spent $300 on the alternator and it only lasts 54,000 miles, wouldn't it be a good idea to just go back to the shop and at least ask them if there's any consideration towards the alternator? Sure. Sure, I will. Okay. So you can go ask. Now, if you're a good customer of that shop, Andy, if somebody, one of our customers came in and had, we put an alternator at 54,000 miles, a $300 alternator, and they were a customer that had been in on a regular basis, what might you say to them? Yeah, I would definitely look look into the situation, check for warranty consideration, check with the manufacturer, or the you know vendor, and see you know kind of where they're willing to help, where we're willing to help, and I don't think it's out of the question. And and so likewise, the menu's kind of wide open in mm-hmm. the sense that it might very well sound like this in in a hypothetical situation: the manufacturer's going to cover the alternator, but they're not going to cover the diagnostic and the replacement. Mm-hmm. So if you'll pay the diagnostic and replacement, I'll get you another three hundred dollar alternator for nothing. Right? Sure. That could be it. The alternator manufacturer could also say, I'll cut the price in half. So at that particular point, I'm going to give you another alternator for $150. Mm-hmm. So it, th- those are the, the marketable, the, those are the, the marketing strategies that could or could not work. And sometimes they'll warranty the alternator for you, but then not give you an additional warranty. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's a possibility too. If they say, hey, we're going to cover this, no charge to you. You only pay the labor, but you don't have an, ad- you know, it's not a, another one-year, two-year, three-year warranty kind of a thing. We're just going to pick up, but we're not going to give you... We're not going to start the warranty over because you didn't pay for the alternator. I'm giving you a new one. Mm -hmm. I would call Tom over at uh, Thunderbird Auto, and I would say to him, I have a battery light on my my, uh, Soul, or no, your Mm -hmm. Toyota, your Avalon. I'm still in there. So um, I I would say to him, can you give me some diagnostic parameters to diagnose this? Really and truly, we need to go into our software and find out what triggers the light. And it could be something like a, a loose fan belt. It could be something like a bad connection, or it could be a volt drop problem. So those are the tests that I have to run. I'm guessing from an electrical systems test, what's a battery alternator regulator test cost approximately? I would say anywhere from maybe 30 to $50. I would agree. And a little bit of money to go look at the battery light scenario, look at a wiring diagram, might drive it up to $75. Yeah. And that, but then here's the good news. If the guy goes in and says... I'm going to fix your car, and this is the cost, and he doesn't fix the car, then he guessed with your money, and you turn around and say, I want to unwind this deal. Mm-hmm. So you're forcing the guy who diagnoses it to sit down hard on his diagnosis, and you're saying to him, I don't want to pay for a guess. So at the end of the day, I want the battery light off. I want to know why, and you can perhaps answer, why did this alternator only last at 55,000 The miles? other thing, too, I think uh, uh, an alternator to last 187,000 miles is a very... Long time, yeah. That, uh, that's yeah. very unusual. So um, it's great that it did last that long, but that's not something that we see every day by any means. So mm-hmm. that's, I mean, you definitely got, got your money's worth on that <laughs> that first one. And I think you would agree that we typically do hard parts about every hundred thousand miles. So we're doing complete air conditioning and compressors. We're doing alternators. We're doing brakes three or four times in a hundred thousand miles. We're doing wiper motors oftentimes at a hundred thousand miles. We've got lots of things, starters, um, those kinds of electronic devices. They, you know, they've been around the world four times and they've been started and stopped maybe a million times. Yeah. So that has everything to do with it. But Tom at 
Thunderbird has the ability to diagnose this and determine why the light's on. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if it has nothing to do with the alternator. I wouldn't be a bit surprised that this has something completely different. So uh, under the best of condition, it might be a blown fuse or it might be a loose fan belt or a bad connection to battery, and those are real cheap. Okay, um, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. Action Auto is at I-17 and, and the, um, I'm sorry, I-17 in Deer Valley. I'm looking at something and I'm trying to talk at the same time. I-17 in Deer Valley. Tom, I've known him for many, many years. He's been in the, that area since 1983. One of the good things is is he's got master certified technicians. That's called ASE Master. That I am I am one as well. But he's also got a BMW extraordinaire guy there. So if you have a Beamer and you're looking for an independent shop to help you with your Beamer, then Tom at Action Auto would be a great guy. But if you live in the Deer Valley or North Phoenix area and you don't have a shop, then perhaps stop by, get an oil change, and then you can determine on whether you're going to be a good fit. So that's Tom at Action Auto, I-17 in Deer Valley, and we'll be back right after this. Mark Levin wants to show our power. People have been asking me, Mark, what is your opinion on this suggestion by the president that we have a military parade? I believe in honoring our military. I have no problem with it whatsoever. As a matter of fact, I'd like to see it. And I want our enemies to see it, too. The left's all upset about it. They don't mind gay pride marches, marches against America. In fact, they favor riots, violence. Mark Levin, weeknights at 9 on Intelligent Talk 960, The Patriot. The year is 1963, and the famous British author, C.S. Lewis, is hosting a group of American writers at his home near Oxford, recalling the people and events that shaped his life. His fascinating stories captivate them. With spontaneous humor and engaging wit, C.S. highlights why he nearly abandoned the Narnia Chronicles, how he came to embrace Christianity, and the American woman who turned his life upside down. Want to go back and experience this night for yourself? Come enjoy An Evening with C.S. Lewis, an enthralling theatrical experience by actor David Payne, described as extraordinary, a must-see. Come discover the impact of one of the 20th century's literary giants. This funny and heartwarming evening will bring you closer to the man who wrote classics like The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe. Two Phoenix shows at Living Streams Church on March 15th, 7 p.m., and Generation Church, Awatuki, on March 16th at 7 p.m. For tickets, visit 960thepatriot.com. It's easy to take a day for granted. You and your family are connected by routine, and you stick to it. But what if a disaster strikes without warning? What if life as you know it has completely turned on its head? What if your day's routine is disrupted and you can't reach your family? Have you planned for that? Before a disaster turns your family's world upside down, it's up to you to be ready. Get a kit. Make a plan. Be informed. Today. Learn how at www.ready.gov. Ready.gov. This message brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency and the Ad Council. America, welcome home the brave. The brave men and women who serve their country are coming home. Home to their cities and towns. 
home to their mountains and valleys, home to their families and friends, home to America. Some of these warriors are coming home with wounds you can see, and some with wounds you can't see, like post-traumatic stress disorder. Wounded Warrior Project was created to provide the support these wounded veterans need to ensure their return to America is well-adjusted and successful. But we need your help to ensure that our mission is a success. Help us honor and empower these wounded warriors. Contact us at findwwp.org. America, welcome home the brave. Welcome back, everybody. 602-508-0960. The lines are wide open, except for Terry. 602-508-0960. Okay, I've got a couple of comments from other technicians that I respect. Okay, one of them says, the Kia guy that had a rough idle. Mm -hmm. And I think the rough idle had been for 46,000 miles or randomly rough. Is that a fair representation? Yeah, I think he had a backfire first, and then it kind of went to... Yeah. A rough idle. Did the Kia guy say anything about the idle changing when applying the brake? If so, what about a leaky brake booster? Okay. So it, when you apply your power brakes, if there's a leak in the system, the vacuum leaks out and it causes the engine to run lean and then it goes, it misfires. Da, 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 da. But that's not really what he said. We were talking about the Honda that we just recently tracked backwards and an, and an increase in electrical stuff mm-hmm. would cause it. He said that it got better when he applied the brakes, not worse. Yeah, All right. So there. And then we've also, he says, um, another guy chimes in and says, on the Toyota, I've had several people complain about the battery icon eliminated in their display, only to find out that they had mistaken it for low coolant. They look very similar. Um, I've seen several batteries and, wow. and a couple of alternators replaced because of the low coolant light. On the Toyota? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, no, I mean, that doesn't actually, it doesn't surprise me in the sense that people come in all the time and they have zero clue as to what the light means. They know they have a light on or they'll say it's a check engine light and it's a TPMS light or, I mean, we have a chart at our shop when people are like, there's a light on, I don't, I don't know, it looks like... You know, the TPMS, a lot of them have the exclamation points with the little parentheses around them or something like that. So, you know, that's how we kind of describe it. But people come in and have no clue. We have a diagram that says, okay, which one of these 15 <laughs> lights looks like light. the one you're talking about? And even more important than that is, is does the light come on every time you get in the car and start it? Because then the technician is responsible for identifying the light. I want to tell you something funny real quick, and then we're going to go to the phones. A lady wrote in. And she said, there's a light on my dash with a guy sitting on a toilet. Oh, yeah. I All saw right. that. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. It's a minus four. Mm-hmm. And it looked exactly what she said. And it was a temperature. And it said that the outside temperature was minus four. Mm-hmm. So if you look at that minus four, it looks just like a guy sitting on a toilet. <laughs> and and it was not, we're not laughing at her. We're laughing with her because she nailed it. It did look like that. It looked yeah. just like that. Yeah, yeah. So I so, bet that wasn't on our chart. Do you I, think, Andy? Probably not. Matt. Anyway, so. So, so it's an interesting, I'm going to read it again. Several people complain about a battery icon only to find out they had mistaken it for the low coolant icon. They can look very similar. I've seen several batteries and a couple of alternators replaced because of low coolant. The message there is this. 
Take look in your owner's manual yeah. first to see what the dog on well, lights supposed to be. That would make sense why she didn't have to get jump started, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, low coolant is altogether different. But the most important thing is is let the shop tell you what the light talks about mm-hmm. because we have that ability. So we're a little bit more seasoned right. than uh, than you know some of the people with respect to identifying the appropriate. Yeah, but light. if it too, if it's an intermittent light, you know, and she comes in and says. The battery light's coming on intermittently, so then automatically you would go looking toward the, mm-hmm. towards the electrical system test. And if, to their defense, if they've never seen it on and they're just going based off of what she's saying, you're only good as your information. Right. So if she's giving them bad information, they're searching one direction and it's completely not. Not that that's the case with the lady with the Avalon, but, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, in all, it just... It's true. However, you know that there's a bulb check, so when you turn your ignition key on but you don't start it, all the dash lights light up for about three seconds. Now, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to count them to make sure that all of them are on, but all the lights are illuminated, so if you say to the customer, walk outside, turn the key on, tell me which one it is. Oh, it's this one over here in the corner. Perfect. I don't think mine does that. It's got one of those button starts. I don't think my lights come on when I first hit it. Well, you know, the reason why that probably is is because you own an F car, and our family is, and you are the so only good. person. it's so good. It doesn't mean <laughs> no lights ever go on. Yeah. You, you broke the tradition of my family for 190 years. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Again. And, 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 and we were Chevrolet and GM people, and you bought the and very first Ford. And what did you drive? Yeah, really. Dodge. It's, <laughs> there you go. And what did you own? A Suzuki. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Everyone, he owned a Suzuki Grand Vitara. There and you I go. actually drove it, and he had it, too. You. You're true. Right. That's true. So, we towed it behind the so motorhome. and it, can I, let me finish. The first one. We towed it behind the motorhome. And I think the our motorhome home. was a Ford as well. So and we had and yeah, you trusted you a F motorhome to yeah. take you cross country. That's right. That's probably why I got traded in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And he had a Suzuki Samurai. That's right. The awesomest car of all time. <laughs> you guys done? <laughs> No, no, what else can we, what else can we talk about? <laughs> we need to go to Terry, okay? okay? All right, hold your laughter. Terry, how can we help? Uh, how can the girls help you? Yeah, they're going to help me. Thanks for taking my call. And this, maybe I will go purchase a Ford after you give me the answer to this. Okay. Right. okay. I have, this is a follow-up of last week whenever someone called in about the design of the new Camaro. Okay. So I have a two, 2010. Okay. And uh, with that fuel tank, they said that, you know, with the fuel, you put it on the passenger side where you where you put the fuel in. Right. Uh, recently, I had a light bulb go out on my turn signal. So this goes with the lights, too. Mm-hmm. I take this thing, it's repaired, and I come out of there spending over $200 because mm-hmm. they have to dismantle that whole back end of that car to put a light in. I come from that generation where you went down. To the uh, uh, store, buy a light bulb, unscrew it, put it back in, and on on you, you know, you're on the road again. Okay. Yeah. Is this just General Motors? That's my question. Because no. then I talked to people with Cadillac. They said, well, you're lucky you don't have a Cadillac. You'd have spent three to $400. We've seen headlight bulbs that are... Hundreds of dollars. It's not just. It's not GM. It's not. It's oh. across the board. They. We joke at work because we say um, they should tell 
consumers the cost of repairs before they buy these cars because just like in your case i mean if i heard a, to replace a taillight bulb or a turn signal bulb or a brake bulb was two hundred dollars right. they'd be like eh, i'm okay i'm okay not having that car yeah. um, that's where i'm coming from i i think at times in my life when i when it would have been difficult for me to repair that yeah sure. you had small children that and Okay. Yeah. In some states, you have you know you have um, inspections where the turn signals have to work, but mm-hmm. so you don't get your license. Okay, sure. are you guys all done? Can I answer his oh, question? Okay. No, all no, right. we really don't want you to answer. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right. Anyway, all right. Here's here's the deal. Uh, first of all, last week we were talking about do they put the why do they put the gas filler on the passenger side Correct. or on the driver's side, Correct. and and everybody was guessing. Okay. But uh, we agreed afterwards that the catalytic converters are underneath the driver's compartment, so the catalytic converters that get very very hot and can set the fumes on fire and gasoline are are far, way far forward. We don't know the answer to that, so that's what he was alluding to. As far as this taillight assembly, let me ask you a question: It, it was the entire bill two hundred dollars. It was. Like two hundred, and I think the light bulb was just fourteen dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think my total bill was two sixty. Okay, yep. and the reason I ask you that was is we do lots of taillight assemblies because the ground is missing on the taillight or the brake yeah. light, and so sometimes that entire assembly it takes a lot to get it out, but that manipul or that dominates the cost, and that's the reason why I ask him. Mm-hmm. The idea is is that like Andy said, this is something we deal with. We did a Honda not too long ago to get to a headlight bulb, and it was a couple hundred dollars to dig the front bumper off this thing. Yeah, some of them have to be you have to remove the or that's what it says is you have to remove the front bumper bumper cover yep. to to access headlights it just seems so crazy i i understand we deal with it all the time but that's the way these cars are being made but those that doesn't really those kinds of really difficult things don't represent but maybe 20 percent of the cars 30 percent of the cars it's not every car and it's certainly not no. half of every car. No. But they, it is it is specific to the brand, though, a lot. Yeah, we're seeing it more and more, I think, on some things that used to be, quote-unquote, simple, yeah. you know, back in the day. I mean, you lift hoods up these days, and the engine covers, there's so many engine covers covering the engine compartment that it can take a half an hour just to take the engine covers off to even access anything. And the, in dollar amount, depending on their labor rate, mm-hmm. it can, that's 50 to $65, $70 sure. just to take them off and put them back on. Sure. So we, we see that a lot. In, in defense of those, we had someone that said that they needed $200 to get the headlight bulb. Um, Eddie, one of our technicians, took out the water jug and then was able to move a harness and reach in there because he has really well he's a small guy yeah and and he has he has very feminine hands you're gonna i was just gonna say you are gonna really offend him i know i am i know i am but he's you know what he's tough he's tough but a lot of a lot of people wouldn't have that small they wouldn't be able to do it well and his experience and his expertise to know to hey let's remove this washer bottle we can access it this way most people a aren't going to do that right um and just aren't going to take that extra time and that extra care and step to, uh, you know, Save accommodate you the customer. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's fine. It, it, and likewise, a guy could do it the shortcut and build the long cut. Of okay, course. So that happens it. a lot. Yeah. But here's something else. Not too long ago, there was a headlight bulb and the customer took a big hole saw, about a three inch, four inch hole saw and the plastic inner fender liner mm-hmm. and just drilled a hole mm-hmm. in there, reached up, did the taillight. And then he took a piece of metal and he riveted where he cut the hole. 
And he was done. And he says, I saved myself two or $300. I'm not quite sure I want you to do that to a customer's car without their permission, Andy. No, I wouldn't be doing that. No, we we wouldn't be doing that. Without their permission, but that happens. But But yes, Terry, to answer your question, that is not... happens all the time. Yeah, not unheard of, unfortunately. All righty, 602-508-0960, Okay, 602-508-0960. Troy, you're up. How can I help you? Uh, Hello, thank you for taking my call. You bet. Um, I have a 2004 Toyota Corolla. And from what I understand, this has a timing chain instead of a timing belt. Is yes, that sir. Correct. Yes, sir. I was wondering if there's a, a number of miles that you recommend uh, having the timing chain changed. I know. But tell me, um, I, I'm not worried about the time. If it had a rubber belt, my personal opinion is is 100,000 miles. We do a rubber timing belt. Uh-huh. As far as the mechanical chain is concerned, it's not a time issue because the thing doesn't wear out because it's sitting in your driveway baking in the, in the hot driveway or hot garage. How many miles have you got on your 04? Um, I think it's about 98,000 right now. Okay. I, I'll tell you what I would do. I would do the timing chain when we have to work on the front of the motor. So if we had to had an oil leak at the front of the motor, or if we have to go in and dig the water pump out of there, or if we got the timing cover leaking oil, or the front seal on the crankshaft leaking oil, I would do the chain then. But I want to answer your question specifically. Most of the time, the chain will have so much slop in it that it may set a, a check engine light, or it may start slapping the cover and we can actually hear that. And then when you drop a camera down inside there, you can actually see where the chain is starting to wear a, 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 a what's it called, like a railroad track yeah, kind of thing. Indentation. Indentation in the inside of the aluminum cover. Now, when you oh. change the oil and you pull the drain plug, if all of a sudden you see small flakes of aluminum coming out of the oil drain hole, then you better be looking at the timing cover. I would think that... I wouldn't want to go past the 175 or 200 mile mark, 200,000 mile mark. Um, I, I think you're going to have a noise or some metal in the oil to te- okay. to warn you. But my comfort zone is is 175 to 200. Then I think you should do it in that range. Yeah, typically they're not. The timing belts are on intervals, so whether it's 60 or 100 on intervals, but timing change, you don't replace them unless you're having other symptoms like the noise he's talking about or some other issue. They're not a maintenance item that you replace on intervals. And that's a good point. It's There's nothing in there that says this mileage. Now, there's a lot of parts on your cars that's that way. The starter's sure. not replaced on mileage. The alternator's not replaced on mileage. The master cylinder's not replaced on mileage. The booster's not replaced on mileage. There's lots. But um, I I think I think too that the the driver oftentimes brings the car in for a noise, and uh, with a little stethoscope and with a little bit of gray hair, um, we'll be able to find that yeah. with no problem. So if you're not having any issues, I wouldn't do anything at this point. I, yeah. I, I would agree with that. Thank you, Troy. Thank you very much. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine sixty six zero two five zero eight zero nine sixty. The lines are wide open. If you have a car question, you've got. Uh, one experienced mechanic and two women that think that they know everything about cars because they've worked around me for the last, uh, how many years? 20? Too long. Too Thir- long. 39. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. 39 years. <laughs> Kurtz Automotive is on I-17 in Bell, and he's a good shop. And the reason why I know that is is because I've sent people to him because they geographically live close to him. Kurtz has pulled the rabbit out of his proverbial hat so many times because he's the one that... A lot of times, 
says it's not the $8,000 repair, it's really a $400 repair. That doesn't happen all the time, but at Kurtz, he's smart enough to be able to figure that out. And they're really pleasant people, and they do good work, and they do maintenance and all that other stuff. So if you live near I-17 and, and Bell, the northeast corner, that's Kurtz Auto.